You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 165, Immortal Souls, hosted by Dan Terry. Jeff sent me some memes today that I immediately had to delete off my phone. He's getting out of control. (laughs) He is. David Van Zant. It was like two seconds long. It was the nastiest thing I've ever seen. I'm really glad I have that recorded. And Joseph Wren. Your Honor, he said it. I just reported on it. Thank you very much. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think all the music should be about fucking winter, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is David. It's cold outside, guys. Except quite the opposite. I wouldn't know because I haven't been out of the house in over seven days. It's really not cold outside. I barbecued earlier and it was beautiful while I was listening to Immortal Souls. That made it a little bit colder outside, I think, but for the most part, it's pretty uh, it's pretty springtime out here, which is, you know, the perfect uh, breeding ground for germs, so, you know, and viruses, so gotta stay at home, gotta be safe, gotta do what the man tells you to do. Inhale. Whatever. Always inhale. It's Always. cold for California, man. It's like in the 50s. Has been like that for a week. That's like freezing for us out here. Really scary. They're like, oh, somebody's do. listening to Immortal Souls again. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, this is just... um. This is this has been an unprecedented thing, man. Hillick in my lifetime. It's it's crazy. I've actually been pulled over by police officers demanding to see paperwork. Like where am I going? Why am I going there? You know? And you know, I was just going to bike, but actually I was like, No, I got this I've got this work letter. So Yeah. Apparently uh, a green Starbucks apron will get you by. Because well, we don't have papers yet, but if you just flash an apron, man, they let you go right on by. I'll keep that in mind. I'll just steal a uh, Starbucks apron from somebody. No, it's fine. I got an official letter. It, it's all like, Dan's an essential employee. So, yeah. Be like, I'm literally making the things keeping these cats alive, homie. Yeah. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm super essential. Like, you know, if I don't talk about these albums, people might buy them. And then where <laughs> will we Then where will we be? You know? Hey, some of these records would be good if you bought them. Absolutely. Well, before we talk about all things winter metal, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we do love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, but one thing that we like the most is when you guys share the episodes. You guys have been sharing every episode when it comes out. It's awesome. It's less work on me if that sweetens the pot for anybody. (laughs) And, uh... It's definitely a really cool thing to see you guys sharing that for people that may not know that their favorite band sucks, and we're here to tell them. Over on the wonderful world of Facebook, Lee Rydberg says, Did one of you fuckers seriously mention Ganglia in the Horde episode? I've mentioned Ganglia like eight times. He mentions it a lot. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. It's great hearing two guys talk about bands that were so important to me as a youth. You were not always right, but you're always entertaining. I'm really enjoying the podcast. Keep it up. My only two suggestions are to stop speaking to that guy who refuses to understand that he is legend is amazing and turn up the volume on the background music, uh, to which I responded just, you know, not wanting to, um, we, we, we leave the music quiet so we don't get sued, you know, uh, <laughs> is pretty much the, the, the main reason behind that. But I was like, oh yeah, dude, we talk about ganglia. You have to talk about ganglia. 
And, you know, based on what we did before we got on mic, uh, we, we looks like we probably are going to be talking about Ganglia here real soon. They don't really have a discography, so to speak. It's like a bunch of demos, and that makes me uncomfortable. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> have enough songs to make a discography. Also, uh, Lee Reidberg is one of our newest Patreon subscribers, so thank you very much for that, sir. Who doesn't like He is Legend that you talk to? Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Jeff doesn't hate He is Legend, but he doesn't love him as much as we do. Because he's wrong. I don't know, man. I need a band that I uh, either don't like or never heard before. That's why I was asking him if you guys had done Haste the Day because I couldn't remember. I don't know if you're going to like Ganglia. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll listen to it. You're like, I probably will. Like, I mean, it's one of those things that you can't help but love it, even you're though cool it's terrible. If you like it. You're cool. You're cool if you like it, man. You're super cool if you like it. Yeah. yeah. Anybody that doesn't like it just doesn't get it. We got an email from Mark Erickson. Uh, greetings from Korea, even though he's actually not in Korea anymore. He's in Japan now, uh, which is probably a good thing. Um, he says, hey, guys, I listened to the BT Bam episode back in the day when you published it and then gave it another listen last week. I think you were a little hard on the band for succeeding so well with colors when they found their sound and then not matching that again later. Though I love the great misdirect just as much, especially the last third or starting with a certain section in Fossil Genera through Desert of Song and Swim. My drop off with them came with the Parallax, which had some strange production choices and was overly long. Still, I felt like the Alaska version of colors approach or vice versa, if you know what I mean. I actually quite liked most of Coma Eclect uh, Ecleptic. And then with Autonoma 1 and 2, more so like individual songs. Millions is amazing, and I really like the openers and closers to both releases 1 and 2. As far as other listening, I pick and choose out of various episodes, listening to most of the Christian bands, though not all, and several artists that I just have enjoyed, specific albums, Deftone, Stream Theater, Metallica, etc., from what I feel are staple bands, Pantera, etc. By the way, I first got into heavy metal music from songs from the Penalty Box, and Sorrow is a Sage by Strongarm was one of the heaviest songs I'd heard in a long time. But what grabbed me was the most was Blindside's Nerve and Slick Shoes Last with a sweet punk metal solo. And then he recommended that we talk about Refused, Thrice, Nirvana, and Soundgarden. What if you do a Patreon episode of all the Tooth & Nail and Solid State compilations? Because there's some gems in there. Yeah, there absolutely are. I was actually just looking at This Is Solid State Volume 2 and 3 and 1. And I was like, you know, these would be fun Patreon go-throughs, plus the songs from the Penalty Box compilation. So, Dan, tell me about Immortal Souls. Well, Immortal Souls is a melodic death metal band from Finland. They've actually been around since 1991, if you can believe that. Um, as a matter of fact, when I was going through these albums, I couldn't, I, I was shocked at how old they actually were. Um, like with their first record being in like 2001 and some of the EPs going all the way back to 99. So like it was, uh, I was like, man, have I been listening to this band that long? It's just, they, they have such little output that, you know, it's hard to, um, hard to quantify that it's been like 15 years, you know, since, since the first time I heard this band or even almost 20 in certain cases. Um, and to me, uh, they sound a little bit like Children of Bodom, a little bit like Dark Tranquility. Um, they are considered melodic death metal, although I would not place them in the Gothenburg death metal scene. They don't really play those generic you know they're not like bam 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 you know like they're not that band uh that was war of ages check that episode out um but uh you know these guys um these guys literally play like what it sounds like they play melodic death metal it's it almost sounds more like power metal with growly vocals uh because it's so positive and so melodic and very um 
I don't know, you just get kind of like a positive vibe. And they, they call that positive vibe winter metal uh, because these dudes all talk about winter, or at least the singer does. Uh, they talk about winter all the time. They describe everything they do as winter metal. Uh, it's false advertising, though, because like I've seen a bunch of like pictures of them and none of them are in coats. Uh, so <laughs> Lead singer's bald. Yeah, super, super bald. I feel like they should all look like giant Neanderthals, you know, that walk around in the winter. Because um, if they're not wearing, if they're not wearing any kind of clothes, I'm expecting at least animal skins, some moccasins of some type. So you're talking about people mover at this point, right? People mover, yeah, something <laughs> like that. And uh, no, so I mean, the winter metal thing is cool. It, it is the one thing I think that kind of sets them apart. Although it is also kind of their detriment, and that I think at this point they're kind of stuck in that. I mean, when you listen. When you, when you look through the records, it's one of those, like, under the northern sky. Well, okay, that's kind of cold. Then it's like ice upon the night, winter Reich, winter metal. It's like, guys, we, we get it. We, we, we absolutely understand the concept. And then you but, read through uh, the, uh, the song titles, and, like, every other song title has, like, cold, frost, winter, ice. Yeah, it's just definitely a theme. Lot it's like if the Night King from a Game of Thrones was in a metal band with a whole bunch of White Walkers. Well, that's better right. than what I had. I was going to say it sounds like somebody listened to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and said, you know what, guys? Let's do the winter thing all the time, only let's be serious about it. I mean, <clears throat> you're not wrong. <laughs> For a band that started in 1991, it took 10 years to get a full-length record. They had yeah. some demos and EPs before that, but the first record, Under the Northern Sky was released in 2001, and unfortunately, I get to say it again, good luck. If you can find it, great. We had to use YouTube to find it because that was what was available. It's not on any of the streaming services. Thankfully, the later albums are, so apologies to the listeners for the terrible audio quality. Yeah, I've still got the CD somewhere. I ordered it from Fear Dark Records back in 2002, and uh, Fear Dark used to be like, the, the, they were the first cool European label that signed Christian bands, but totally wasn't a Christian label. <laughs> um, and the, the bands all like, I swear they all had to sign like an NDA, like saying that they weren't Christian bands. And that like, because like apparently they were afraid that like people in Europe would like kill them if they found out that they were Christians. But they had like, they had like all the cool European Christian bands, like Immortal Souls and Sledgevalk. And uh, I think they had Morphia at one point. They had Kekel for a while. Um, who's Indonesia, an Indonesian band. Fucking uh, Keckle, dude. Really? <laughs> they had, yeah, they had Royal Anguish for a while there. Um, so, I mean, they were a Christian label, but they weren't. But they were, but they weren't. Uh, and that's kind of that's kind of where Immortal Souls has kind of always been. And that, like, clearly they're a Christian metal band because, like, they had songs like Christ Mass. And, uh, you know... <clears throat> Uh, pretty much all of their stuff was about like it's winter outside but then also jesus um and they're it's funny i actually listened to their ep uh the divine wintertime ep uh, which i won't spend too much time on but th that was actually the first time i'd ever heard immortal souls because they had a song called um snow soul because of course it was called snow soul <laughs> and um so i heard that on godcore.com if anybody remembers that website. And uh, I remember because I only ever heard like what the first two minutes of it because Godcore would like upload MP3s, but you'd only get to hear like a minute and a half of the song. And like back then that was like really rough because like some of these bands that have these like, cause I think that song has like a minute intro. 
So you get yeah, right so to the just... apex of the song, and all of a sudden it's like, nope, sorry. <laughs> my favorite thing, <laughs> my favorite thing ever was when the first time I showed that band to Joe, and he was like, "Yeah, I like the music, but the vocalist sounds like he's gargling razor blades." <laughs> I haven't heard the EP, but you I can, can imagine. Quote me. This was a time where we really weren't listening to much death metal. You know, the whole point of going on Godcore.com was, you know, you listen to like 12 bands in like three hours because that's just how slow the internet was. And like you were lucky if you heard a band that sounded kind of like corn. And know? that was like the that. joke about Godcore was how long does it take to find a Christian band that sounds like your favorite secular band? That literally was the joke back in the day. Was Godcore like the uh, precursor to Jesus Freak Hideout or something like that? I've never, I didn't go to Godcore. It was similar to that. I want to say it was active like maybe 98 until 2004. You could probably still pull it up on the Wayback Machine. Is that what Joe's doing right now? Pulling it up on the Wayback Machine? Let's get Godcore back up. Oh, the Wayback Machine is currently busy. So sorry, guys. (laughs) Everybody's too busy flooding it, trying to find their favorite songs on Godcore. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I'll tell you what, it was a good website, and that's how I found out about like Immortal Souls and like Horde and Mortification and all that stuff. But uh, Immortal Souls always stood out to me because when I listened to this, when I listened to this first album, Under the Northern Sky, it reminds me of why I got into melodic death metal in the first place. Because I would say musically, this falls into the like early at the gates early children of bodum early dark tranquility sound where it's a little chaotic it's a little messy um the chaos doesn't come from dissonant riffs like they're trying to create something beautiful but they're also trying to smash a whole bunch of stuff together all at once right this is essentially old school death metal it's thrash at its core with yelled vocals not growled just straight yelling yeah yeah i mean it's 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 growled and shrill and gross. Um, I, and I'm going to just be honest. I've never really been a huge fan of this guy's vocals. There's just something weird about him that I'm not like totally into, but I'm not like a big enough wimp to like be like, I don't like it because it's so extreme, you know? <laughs> but uh, he he kind of outclasses the music in, in a couple of places where they're very melodic. They're very, they're very like pretty and positive or whatever. And then he's all like, it with the north, you know, like, and it's just, I, I don't know, like, it could definitely take you out of it a little bit. Um, it's a it's a little bit much, uh, but that's that's Immortal Soul. So I mean, you, you've signed up for it. This is what you're going to get all the way up until 2015. Yeah, I dug it. I, it was the first time I heard it was this week. Uh, just for the episode, just I didn't have it, so like Joe had to find it on uh, on YouTube. Um, probably the most traditional death metal sound. Like it doesn't really get melodic until like halfway through the record, and then you start seeing kind of like the Immortal Soul sound that is going to come in the future. But there's some good solos. I forget the name of the track because I watch, I listened to it on YouTube, so I wasn't following the track listing while I was going through. But um, you know, the brother Isa has a sick solo, like probably like three or four tracks in, that uh, has like this like kind of '80s hair metal vibe to it. I was digging it. Yeah. But the vocals, I don't mind his vocals. I love it. You know, throughout the whole, like he has that kind of shrill death metal, but still shrill kind of sound. The only my biggest beef with this record is when he does the. Um, the like clean speaking it's not clean singing it's more like just him kind of just yelling or speaking and that part of the record really threw me off i couldn't i couldn't really get into it i think that you know i I, i've been saying children of bodum a lot is kind of what the band they remind me the most of and i think that was kind of an attempt because if you remember those first couple of bodum records 
there was kind of always those weird vocals in there um, where they were like shouting and just trying to like almost sounds like pirate metal um, in places. Fucking pirate um, metal, that, dude. I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely not a huge fan of that uh, in my melodic death metal. Uh, and yeah, so and it was it was kind of weird. They're not a super experimenty band, but I think that they do sometimes try to do too much at once. Um, at least on this record, uh, like I said, it's it's a little chaotic, but not like necessarily in a good way. This isn't a great record, but it's not like terrible. Like y- y- this is a record you would hear and still get into Immortals, like if it was the first thing that you heard. Um, but the stuff that they, the stuff that they did a little bit later on kind of like really blew it out of the water as far as having like. A unified vision, you know, and, and 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 kind of like knowing how to go forward, and realizing that sometimes you have to kind of trim the fat a little bit. It'd be interesting to like go back and listen to some P's that they put out in the '90s, because if you like look at the history of the band, <clears throat> you know they're listed as you know mainly melodic death metal, but then they'll have like you know the subgenres of like thrash under their name or like doom metal under their name with like power metal influences and you can kind of hear some of like the doom style come out in this like it gets a little drudgy at times and then it gets thrashy at times and then it's like deathy at times so you're kind of right they're kind of like throwing a lot of stuff at the wall see what sticks and then the melodic death metal sound they found their niche best and that's kind of what they went through so thankfully uh they don't do a lot of that stuff in the next four albums yeah, it's definitely a good record, but it kind of comes across to me like kind of flat, and there's not a whole lot for me to grasp onto. The melodies are cool, but they're isolated, you know, like in a cold, isolated, frozen kind of way. And, <laughs> keep it on top. Um, yeah, keep it on brand. And then whenever Ice Upon the Night came out, it was kind of a uh, game changer for them. 2003. I'm just going to say it. This is way better. <laughs> This is when uh, this is when hardcore kids that listen to Facetown Records in America got to hear Immortal Souls uh, because they were uh, this they signed to well I don't know if they ever signed to Facetown Records but they were distributed by Facetown Records I think they I think they were either still with Fear Dark in the in in Europe or they were on another label um, and yeah this was. Whew. <clears throat> a massive improvement in songwriting. This was like every song has its own identity. It's kind of it, its own feeling. Uh, but me being an unpleasable metal fan, I will say this. Ladies and gentlemen, unpleasable metal fan. <laughs> it's just like, wow, yeah, I want you guys to do stuff that's way more uh, way more focused. That's what I want. I want it to be way more focused. Now I'm like, guys, it's so sing-songy. It's so verse, chorus, <laughs> verse. You guys, you, you went too far. You shot over the moon this time. But you got you got to get back. I, I just I, I want you guys to be exactly forty eight kilometers away from the moon. Okay, in in one direction. This is this is what I want because I'm in charge of your band now. Um, but no, you're turning it, into exactly how I pictured you as a metalhead. There you go. I mean, it pretty much is like no. This is this is what you guys are supposed to do. These are the rules. I wrote the book. No, you can't look at the book. You just have to know what I'm saying. Uh, this is really cool, though. Like this, I, I can see why they got as popular as they did off of this record, and why it was really smart for it to be kind of their debut in the U.S. Because now they're now they're playing on the same level as some of the bands we mentioned, like Children of Bodom, Equality, stuff like that. Uh, and they don't sound like those bands identically, but they they definitely live in the same they live in the same genre. 
Um, this record is very, very, very good. The, the guitar melodies are fantastic. They are memorable. There's dual guitars, you know, twin guitars. Um, everybody loves twin guitars, especially David Bunton from The Showdown. And, um, you know, I this is why I got into this kind of music, was because I wanted something that was more like traditional metal. It was very solo-y. It was very melodic but you still have like the screaming vocals and and the double bass drumming and all that when you said that the the guitars were memorable that's like perfect i was the first thing i wrote down when we, i was listening to this again is just the riffs are catchy af um you like kind of hum them throughout the entire day and in the best way this isn't like an insult but you know, especially the first track it reminds me of like an old like sega genesis title screen for like an action adventure game yeah just like running in the background in such a good way and i think that this came out in like early 2000s but it sounds like something from the early 90s i think it shows like their kind of power metal roots with the the melodic guitars and the and that but um but yeah dude the 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 riffs and the melodies are are, are amazing super catchy and it has that old school death metal feel of it's heavy metal at its root. It's thrash. It's traditional metal. It has the solos. It has the punk rock chug with the double bass and the beats. But then the vocals are just whatever the vocalist does, we don't deviate from that. I think the stereotype at the time would be the guitarist spends six months trying to get his tone right, and then we record the record. The drummer comes in, mics everything up, spends three weeks playing it, the bass player plugs in and basically sounds the way the engineer wants him to, but the vocalist, nobody questions it. Whatever he comes in with, that's what we do. And that's fun because that's old school thrash. That's the, the musicians are way better than the guy doing the vocals, but what he's doing is his thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing about that is that the bass player is the vocalist and the vocalist is the engineer <laughs> all at the same time. Like, they did everything themselves. Figure right. that shit out. That's why the mix isn't super guitar heavy. Um, I do have a... Uh... I do have a couple of criticisms on this record. Number one, the drumming is just there. That the hi-hat, man. hate to talk drum, about the hi-hat again. The drumming is, it occupies a space. It's, it's drums that go along with the songs. There's nothing wrong with them, but there just ain't anything spectacular about them either. <laughs> I mean, dude literally just plays his parts and like, that's fine. But it's just, I don't know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it can get really monotonous. Like I just, and I don't really pay attention to drumming that much, which is, weird that i even noticed it or questioned it or whatever but like i was kind of like i wonder how good this guy plays like other stuff like than than just the immortal souls material um it's kind of rough and and the other the other uh criticism i have of it is that this record just sound just sounds like hot garbage like the production is just um i don't know i think this is like right in the middle of the loudness wars or whatever but like it's mixed inside like you can tell it was like mixed for mp3 more so than having an actual dynamic range so everything is super super loud and then just turned up like to where it, you know and that leads to the guitar sounding a little bit uh grainy the vocals are so loud in the mix because you know vocalist uh mixed it or our mastered it or engineered it or whatever and um, so, yeah, his vocals overpower everything. Uh, so it's just kind of one of those things where it sounds really good at the surface level. But if you're a production person, you're kind of like kind of trying to figure out what they were thinking whenever they, whenever they did this, because um, it, it's it's super loud, but not in a good way. It sounds like a self-produced record in 2003. That's what it sounds like to me, because everything you just said are mistakes I've made myself. 
but you don't realize it at the time because it was new technology to be able to actually sit down with a computer and make a record. And guys, this sounds great because it's real-time feedback. It's kind of like when you gave your mom a digital camera for Christmas and she spent more time looking at the pictures she was taking to make sure they were good instead of actually taking pictures, which is what she did the year prior. <laughs> this thing's got a little screen on it. This is the best analogy I've ever heard. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> which made me, uh, which made me be like, huh? There's arrow keys and a screen. I wonder if I can play Doom on this thing. Uh, <laughs> you probably you can. can. You can. I'm gonna say that the drummer. This was probably one of the first records he ever recorded because he doesn't do very much. Anytime you're doing a record yourself, it's a different kind of pressure than what you're used to with just playing with a band in the room or having an engineer. So he was probably just stressing out about, I got to get this right, because if I don't, he's going to make me do it again, and I don't want to piss everybody off, so I'm just going to play the beat. You actually have a fear when you're playing a record for the first time that you're self-producing, self-recording. You don't want to fuck it up, so you don't try anything. And talking about that real-time feedback, again, it sounds good because, hey, guys, look, I nailed it. You don't have to go back and add anything to it. Well, when your parts are that basic, like, how could you not nail it? Well, I think Joe, like, I see what Joe's saying. Like, yeah. he's keeping it basic because he's so afraid to divert from, you know, the 4-4 rhythm and add any, th like, thrills to it. Then have to go back and correct it all. So I kind of see, I kind of see where Joe's saying too. That yeah. and this sounds more like a record of singles. We're trying to write the single that's going to get the band big. You know, you listen to Firepower... And every song is great because it's Judas fucking Priest. But let's assume for a second that it wasn't. Every song kind of has the same formula. And I'm not talking about verse, chorus, verse. I'm talking about the way the songs hit, the way the composition too. hits. So it has that feel of we're trying to get everybody's attention because every song is a fucking single. Whether or not it succeeded is up to the listener. And I'm going to say it didn't succeed as well as the later records. Something we haven't talked about yet is a uh, renowned session musician, Chemo, comes in and uh, sings the cleans oh, on this one. Chemo. Friend Chemo. Their friend Chemo. <laughs> David knows him personally, didn't you know? <laughs> David knows hey, I've heard every album that Chemo sang on, every Immortal Souls album. There you go. Isn't it just this one? No, he, he does some other ones, too. I think he's done all four. I think he's done something on the next four, just everything but their, uh, their first yeah. release. Yeah, Man of Sorrow was the, yeah. Um, this is weird because, so yeah, so they get a session vocalist in here, right? And he sounds good. Like, I mean, you know, what's the next step for a band like this? Let's throw some cleans in there. And, you know, I am thankful that they weren't shrill power metal cleans. You know, they, they just sound like a man singing. Yeah, some hard rock. Which begs the question, why didn't one of you guys just sing it? <laughs> <laughs> I think he Did tried it? on the first album. That was those, that was those clean yells. Yeah, um, that's rough. It's funny you you say hard rock because I feel like that kind of is this record. Like like Joe was saying with the, like the singles and what's going to get people's attention. A lot of these songs have very hard rock song structure to them. You know they they are very like formulaic verse chorus verse. Um, and it's funny because not a lot of bands that sound like Immortal Souls do that. So it actually makes them. It, ha it has the uh, the happy accident of making them sound unique um, because you know they're trying to appeal to people on on a greater on a greater scale, and um, so you end up with you know again drums that are basically like hard rock drums with some double bass thrown in, 
and um, everything kind of follows a specific structure. And then you have a song like this where they get a guy that I guess they met singing karaoke somewhere and was like, you, 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 you want to take this to the next level? You see, we're a band called Immortal Souls. Oh, what do you sound like? Well, let me gargle these razor blades. I'll show you. Um, <laughs> I was picturing that like a bar in Finland and like Kimo gets up there and sings one by Metallica. And like, hey, let's get this guy on the next record. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. He's like, he can't remember anything. He can't tell if this is true or dream. It's incredible. Um, Speaking of Metallica, I feel like that his phrasing, I don't, I'm not going to try to pronounce any of the, any of their guys' names, but the lead singer, um, it reminds me of like if James Hetfield was a death metal growler, just like with his phrasing throughout the next couple albums. Uh, that's kind of like the gist I got. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the vocals because I feel like he's like, he's sometimes more growl than substance. <laughs> like, um, and again, it is kind of weird to hear vocals that brutal over music that isn't really, <laughs> you know, like that isn't. And it's not that Immortal Souls isn't heavy. They're still a melodic death metal band. Like they, they still have that. But um, I used to joke back in the day, I was like, you know, all these all these mellow death bands, they're not really death metal bands at all. They're just power metal bands with a guy that growls on top of them. And whenever I say that, the band in my brain when I'm making that joke is Immortal Souls, you know, because <laughs> they're just they're so like their music is almost so happy sounding which i mean they would tell you no it's not happy sounding it's cold sounding and i'm it's like this Christmas is not cold though i mean like if you compare like, like one of the coldest <clears throat> sounding records i have is uh transylvania hun- transylvanian hunger <laughs> by uh dark throne that's a cold record that's really cold like it's like there's an air conditioning vent right on top of me <laughs> that's like shooting little icicles into my skin that's yeah. cold so it's it's weird having to acclimate yourself with Immortal Souls version of what cold sounds like, and as a uh, as a as a music critic, you know I love making weird comparisons like that. Like, hey man, I could taste colors, you know, and so I'm I'm trying to find the audible representation of cold, which you know before hearing Immortal Souls, I just thought was like wind blowing, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But they're not going to let it go. Like, I mean, you get, I mean, let's, let's, we, we got to make fun of the song titles a little bit and I'm not making fun of the band. I think the band is, 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 is ice solid. Okay. But, um, I mean, let's go through these track titles for a second here. Uh, ever winter, welcome to North edge of the frost, cold streets. I they mean, sound like R.A. Salvatore, like book titles at Barnes and Noble. Totally. Totally. Get them, get them right now for seven ninety nine each. Oh, are we ready for the Winter Reich? <clears throat> yeah, Winter Reich. My personal favorite record. This is the first record that I sat down and listened to because it was an Immortal Souls album. It's not the first time I heard the band. It's the first time I listened to a record. And it sounds like what they're trying to do. It sounds like a metal record themed around wintertime with thrash metal, solos, and growly scream vocals. That's it. Did you want something else? Sorry, not gonna get it today. This is a huge step up in the metal department. We'd complained about Ice Upon the Night being, kind of, or I had complained more specifically. You guys didn't seem to have as much of a problem with it as I did, but uh, <laughs> that, that record was very, very sing-songy, very um, hard rock based or whatever. This is much more like a traditional mellow death record. In that, you know, the rhythms are faster. The drumming is vastly improved uh, over what we had before where they, you know, obviously they sat dude down and they're like, look, man, just you, you just do you, you, you know, <laughs> like, like, absolutely. You just do you. 
you know we're gonna we're gonna play these songs and you just do whatever you feel like you need to do in each one of them so you get faster paced um this is this is their most traditional mellow death release in my opinion um and it's almost a throwback to uh under the northern sky but it's done by a more professional band you know and um you know again winter is uh, is still the, the forefront of this band night frost frozen inside icon of ice black water winter of my discontent winter Reich. <laughs> it's there you it's know. not going anywhere dan I'd be upset if they were shoving Jesus down my throat, but now they're just trying to <laughs> shove ice cubes down my throat. And, um, and that's I don't fine. know what changed in the production department. I don't know who figured something out or just made different decisions, but the vocals are much more balanced on this record, more in the way of Zayo in the mid-2000s, where, yeah, Dan was doing that throat growl thing that he does so well, but you can at least hear him doing it versus it's too loud or it's too quiet. Yeah, I mean, this was this was still self-produced, um, but I guess they had just kind of learned, you know, because one thing I like about this record too is that it has a straight up dynamic range to it, you know? Like they had figured out that like, yeah, maybe mixing it for MP3 wasn't such a great idea. And now the cymbals don't like stab me in the eardrums whenever I'm listening to them. It's a huge plus. Thank you guys for that. Um, Zayo's still not off the hook and neither is War of Ages. Yeah, um, no complaints about the hi-hat on this album. Yeah, it's good hi hat. And welcome um, back to hi hat talk. Uh, no, it sounds great. Like last album was like everything was flat, but turned to ten, and then the vocals turned to eleven. Like this one's definitely way better mixed. The vocals absolutely. a little bit deeper, but they still he still keeps his like you know trademark shrill sound to it. You know, it's not just like deep for deep sake. Like he still has his like Scandinavian black metal shrill thing going on. Yeah, um, but you know, yeah, it has a lot more character. I think in this one. Maybe be just because he backed up off the mic a little bit or wasn't like cupping the mic or whatever it was he was doing beforehand. Um, Did you go through the lyrics on this one? Apparently, it's like a concept album in acts, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't go through the lyrics because I suck. But uh, yeah, it's a concept record divided into four parts. Chapter one, The Awakening. Chapter two, Reflections of Doom. Chapter three, The Shadow of the Valley of Death. And chapter four, The Passage. And I was very much like, oh, sweet, nothing about ice. But then there's like still like a whole bunch of stuff about it's ice. It's all about <laughs> fucking <laughs> ice, dude. <Yeah. laughs> so, so we've got that going on. Um, I like this record. It's it's hard to talk objectively about Immortal Souls because as, as good of a band as I think that they are, I don't think that they're like the most interesting band out there musically. Um, and that's hard because you can't really trash it for being what it is, <laughs> you know, uh, because they're not it's not like they're playing badly and it's not like they're that they don't have a fan base and it's not that they're even not it's not even that they're unenjoyable to listen to uh it's very enjoyable um spoilers i just listened to 10 obituary records so like putting this on was like eating a bowl of vanilla ice cream with like <laughs> wintergreen lifesavers mixed in but like um it was very 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 enjoyable uh for for this listen through after like you know getting pulled out of the muddy swamps of florida and get it getting thrown into the ice storm of finland you know um it was quite a roller coaster so yeah winter reich is not my favorite immortal souls record but it is definitely the immortal souls that i started taking seriously like i started being absolutely these guys are these guys are like a legit thing they're hitting us with they're hitting us with a concept record um they're still going you know that was a big thing because I remember when Ice Upon the Night came out, it seemed like it took forever for them to get a second record out or another record out after that. It was only a few years, but I was a teenager, so. And it's a concept record that 
I don't feel forced to accept it. It's not like I have to understand the composition or there's overuse of orchestral elements and we have these long tracks of just sounds that I have to figure out what the fuck they're trying to tell me. No, it's still a fucking metal record and that's all I need. It can be a concept album if you want it to be, but I don't need it to be. It's just a fucking great record. Yeah, I didn't know it was a concept album until I hopped on Wikipedia this week to like refresh on like the band members. And I was like, oh, Winter Rag is a concept album? It makes sense. I keep on moving on. But you're right. It's not like, it's not, um, you know, pretentious in like a lot of concept bands and concept albums are where, you know, you have to like it because of the concept, not the music. And it doesn't yeah. end with Swim to the Fucking Moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, thing, the thing is, is that like, you know, one of the biggest compliments that they seem to get because. I love looking up these Christian bands on the uh, on the metal archives, and I, for whatever reason, I get like kind of a sick pleasure of watching people just like tear the bands apart, and like it's totally unfair, and like there's no reason for it at all. Um, but I'm one of the things the biggest compliment that they kept getting from reviewers was they don't have keyboards, even though like nobody would hold it against them if they did, <laughs> you know. But right, but if that's it's power metal I, in nature, it's okay if it has keyboards. Yeah, but like they don't go that way. Like they're they're just hanging out in the snowstorm. They're not going to slay the dragon. You, you I don't know, think they have or, anyone to play the keyboards. Like you know, even the lead singer is holding a bass in his hand. They don't have any, any extra hands to put on there. Less chemo jumped in to play well, keyboards when he wasn't. They singing. haven't. Listen, they haven't been to a bar and seen like a session keyboardist hanging around. So, <laughs> uh, but like that is one thing that I have to give them props for is they are able to create melody and create that atmosphere. Whereas a lot of other bands in this style like to use a bunch of tricks in order to uh, accomplish that. And these guys just do it and they're like, look, if we're not driving the point home enough, we'll just name more songs about winter until they get it. <laughs> name the entire album Winter Reich, which is a really cool name, actually. Like when I've never like it's very unique. I've never heard anything like that. It's not a it's not a generic term at all. So there you go. 2011 for the Requiem for the Art of Death. And now we went up our ass. Winter <laughs> Reich was fine, and then we had to go up our own ass. I can't blame them for trying. We can be more critical about this one because it's not face down. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now we can start talking just mad trash. Uh, no, <laughs> I actually really like this record a lot. Um, I make a little bit of fun, but it's a great fucking record. It has a little bit more of the concept feel, but it's not so much that you have to buy into it. It's still a fucking metal album, and I still love it. I don't love it as much as Winter Reich, but it's a great fucking record. Is it only more concepty because of the Roman numerals in the title and the song titles? That is one of the criteria. The other one is the increased use of extreme dynamics, going from extreme quiet to extreme loud, extreme slow to extreme fast. I just like it because it's heavier than the last one, man. <laughs> 2011, dude. They had a few years to get it right, and I'm gonna ask you: Is this the first time they got it right? Dan, your meathead is showing. Sorry, I just realized my entire head was made of meat. Uh, but uh, yeah, like th this was this was them trying to do something legitimate, and you'll notice that they don't lean on the winter crutch really at all on this one, and that that's was kind of a refreshing breath of warmer air for me. Um, because like they, they only one song has winter in the title, but it's nuclear winter, baby, you know, <laughs> which is a whole different concept. Oh, so this um, is a requiem for the actual winter season. Something like that. Um, <laughs> this was, I don't think they talk at all about winter on this really. Um, 
And that, that's kind of what I liked about it is I was like, okay, we, we finally dropped the gimmick in the sense that like, yeah, we're Immortal Souls. We wrote some songs about winter. That was like our whole thing. But like somewhere they realized that like, okay, this might be a little much for people. If we put out another, you know, if we put out Ice Upon the Night 2, people are going to be like, okay. So that was Ice Upon the Night on Monday. And now it's Ice of the Night on Tuesday. You know, you get a little bit samey. Um, this one, I think they switched it up quite a bit. Um, the songs are heavier. Uh, the vocals are a little bit like deeper, and the um, the whole presentation is it's a little almost uh, it's a little bit almost metalcore. Anybody else pick up on that a little bit? I wrote that down. A little metalcore. It had yeah. the vibe, but I think they got away with it because they didn't shove the metalcore vibe down your throat. Yeah, there's only so far you can go with thrash riffs in 2011 and they've been doing this for 20 years so there's only so many different ways you can play your favorite thrash metal song from the 80s i mean i was a little taken aback the first time i heard immortal souls play a breakdown i was like yeah they got away with it because the whole album like itself they've been kind of like it's a little bit slower than the last couple it's a little bit like groovier so having like the metalcore like it's not like you know, like a barn burning metalcore sound where it's just like insane fast guitars and then they throw in a breakdown. It already has that kind of slow groove feel to it and then they throw a breakdown in there. I think that's why it works. It was a good transition for them because like, again, I hate to bring up Children of Bodom, but I'm going to do it anyway, so I must not hate it. It was kind of like whenever Children of Bodom was like, we're like melodic, we're melodic, 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 power metal, power metal, melodic, melodic, and then they put out Hate Crew Death Roll and it's like super brutal. <laughs> and you're like, where'd that come what? from? What? Yeah. Did you have this the whole time? Yeah, I'm not complaining about it, but like uh, with Immortal Souls, it, you know, there was a little bit of this going on in Winter Reich too. They, they kind of like prepared us for this, and yeah, and I think that I think that the slower, groovier music kind of works on a level that you know, there's a lot of people that aren't fans of melodic death that would probably still dig this record just because it's rooted in other types of heavy metal than just sticking to one style. By far, the most like atmospherical record like it just has that big sound to it the production quality is huge but um you know my favorite track is uh, the hypnotic atrocity i think just because of that bass line going in and out of it that bass groove right in the beginning before it kicks in just like every time i hear it, i have to go back and hear it again <clears throat> yeah it's awesome and they actually um went longer songs on this one too which i think is kind of important too in that like most immortal souls records that would would top out around like what 35 minutes 30 40 maybe um and that's usually enough especially for what they were doing on those records this one they're able to slow it down and they're actually doing interesting stuff so it doesn't sound like as much of a slog i mean this guy drops in at 52 minutes and it's not a chore to listen to i was listening to it at work uh last week and i really enjoyed how long it lasted without me like i could continuously do a task without having to switch records um which was really nice but uh yeah this one the only the only the only knock i have on it really is that like is this dude's vocals ever going to change <laughs> absolutely yeah. not this is him he, he's here for life baby like you hear him getting older like his voice isn't as like high pitched as it was yeah. in the beginning but it's definitely definitely him but he's here to do the death metal thing even if the band is able to evolve and do more than old school thrash style death metal guys this is my voice this is the way i sound this is the way the audience expects the vocals to sound so i'm not going to change it we'd be complaining if he started screaming you know like a hardcore metalcore guy and doing melodic choruses we would all be yelling at him but we're not 
because he's doing exactly the same thing. It's funny because there's a reviewer on the Metal Archives that complained that the vocals on Ice Upon the Night sounded super tough guy. And I remember being like, did we listen to the same record? Because this dude's vocals have sounded the same pretty much throughout. <laughs> like, he's he's pretty much always sounded like that. The only real differences you can hear is in the production. Like, But it's, it's, it's very clearly him. In, in a lot of ways, he is the Immortal Soul sound. Yeah, it's not like, uh, like becoming the archetype where, you know, you can tell when Jason Wisdom left for the final album with I Am and like just it was it was like a screeching halt totally the whole sound changed when he left but Immortal Souls like his voice is that sound oh becoming the archetype the metalcore band (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) and I quit (laughs) signing off it's over (laughs) um inside joke but uh yeah th- this this was a this was a banger of a record for them i think they, they really hit their stride on winter reich and this was them just following through with that you know um whereas a lot of bands that we talk about on the show their first two albums are like fantastic and then everything else just kind of fails to ever capture that magic this is the this is a band that started off kind of rough and smoothed it all out and figured it all out and got better over time <clears throat> which logically it would be a more natural progression, but strangely, there's not a lot of bands like this that get better and better as they go. 2015, Winter Metal. <sighs> guys. Guys, I just went to the store and bought the new Trans-Siberian Orchestra record. What's it called, Joe? The Christmas Attic. What's it about? What do you fucking think it's about? <laughs> They're on fucking brand for them. Joe couldn't even say the, the title of the album with a straight face. I couldn't because... In this case, I'm happy that they stuck with their fucking shtick. Dude, don't fix what's not broken, man. Like, give them credit. They've been doing this for 20 years. They're just sticking with it. Well, how many people heard this band the first time in 2015? There had to be somebody. Yeah, I'm sure a lot. So are they trying to change the shtick now? Or are we going to give you what we're really about? Which is fucking songs about cold-ass winter. (laughs) But they love it. It's not like winter's depressing or anything. Like, I, It'd be, to be different honest, if it sounded you know, bad. If it sounded bad, then we can make fun of it a little bit more. Well, I think whether it sounds good or bad depends entirely on who you ask. Um, because this is ten times more metalcore than we had on the re- on the last record. This is Andy Adkins' level of metalcore. Vipers. I don't know about fucking no, well, or, or metalcore okay. aerobics and shit. Like everybody, bounce with me. I'll let you have it. Um, to be honest with you, I'm surprised it took him this long to come out with a record called Winter Metal. Because um, I kind of like, when I remember looking at it and being like, really, guys? Really? Because like, whenever they could, it's like Immortal Souls Winter Metal. I was like, this has got to just be like a compilation of a whole bunch of their stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like EPs. Greatest hits, yeah. Yeah, yeah. EPs, live tracks, you know, something like that. Like, there's no way they're calling their new release Winter Metal. You know, it's like, guys, we just talked about this, how great it was that she kind of abandoned that on the last record. And um, I guess maybe they put that one out in the summer and this one came out in the winter. I don't know what it is. They still don't wear coats. I don't believe it for a second. (laughs) But uh, it is so doubled down here. First snow of winter, calm before the snowstorm, which might win the award for cheesiest sticking to our shit. That's the I've greatest title they have. Calm before, calm before the snowstorm. They need to follow up that song with Eye of the Snowstorm. That's the only miss. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dawn of the Northern Coldness, the trail in the snow. Then there's just a song called Snowstorm, which is weird <laughs> that it didn't come right after Calm Before the Snowstorm. Um, cold it's the middle of the record, land. dude. 
Um, and then, and then, you know, the title track, Winter Metal. <laughs> Guys, we get it. But all that aside, uh, this record was very much enjoy more enjoyable uh, than even the last one was in the sense that they have matured as musicians to the point where they're not doing the weird singy songy thing that they kind of started off doing. Um, they're hitting us with some heavy grooves. They're hitting us with some breakdowns. They're hitting us with the stuff that, like, I would almost even imagine that the writing process went something like this. How many records do we sell in Europe? Well, let's see. The the epicenter of death, black metal, you know, mellow death. Their competition in Europe's pretty stiff, you know, as far as that stuff goes. Uh, they absolutely do not outclass the bigger bands in their genre. Like, let's not let's not fool ourselves here. Um, but they're looking over at those USA and Canada sales, and Facedown's just pumping them out one after another. And they're like, "Well, what do Facedown Records fans like? Breakdowns? Okay, <laughs> we got that. <laughs> Throw some breakdowns uh, in. Yeah, it's more American. It's almost a more Americanized version of Immortal Souls. Well, they're on Rottweiler Records for this one, which is like that's, that's Frost true, Like yeah. Ashes and Abated Massive Flesh. And that's true. Yeah, Rottweiler. Rottweiler's kind of all over the place, like yeah. Grave Robber and all that. Saving stuff. Grace. Yeah. But um, these guys are definitely going like they just must be selling. Like if I feel like if they did a tour in the U.S., they'd do better than like a tour in their hometown, a tour in right. our hometown. This week we're playing at the coffee shop, and then next week we're going to play at the town hall. I gotta correct myself before the face down kids crucify me again. I said saving grace. Sorry, guys. Saving grace. That's the only way you're allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, this might be my favorite. Uh, you know, coming from the guy, I'm always the guy that left two albums and then I stop listening to the band. So like the next like ten records, I kind of have to go back and listen to, i.e., Norman Jean. Um, but this is probably my favorite Immortal Souls record. I love it. I love the vocals on it. The uh, the transition from uh, first snow of winter to calm before the snowstorm is absolutely perfect. You get that like minute and a half long instrumental track, and then it just goes into the second track. I love that. I love that stuff. My only beef with the record in itself is that it seems like almost every track starts out slow kind of yeah. ambient maybe with like an acoustic guitar you know classical guitar playing in a background and then it kicks in with like the metalcore death metal thing um kind of tropey but if i can just get rid of that from my mind definitely my favorite record it's a little bit more tropey for sure and i think it's fine because you know this i'm kind of the audience that they're catering this to and so you know when somebody's providing me with what i want i'm fine with it I also like the fact that they, you know, we, we talk about how they're more metalcore and they're they're heavier now, but like a lot of that too has to do with they're not trying to outclass the other mellow death bands, but in a certain sense they kind of are in that like you look at bands like like Dark Tranquility and the Flames now that rely very heavily on electronics and stuff in their music where like they they had transitioned away from kind of this sound and Immortal Soul and it's kind of like what we were talking about with the War of Ages how everybody else kind of moved on and they just kind of kept doing what they were doing mm -hmm. um, it's very much like that with with Immortal Souls because they they're just the guys that kept showing up every day and at the end of the day if you're a boss that's the employee you appreciate the most is the guy that shows up every day even though he's not the best employee you have He's still, you know, Consistent. you're going to yeah, you're going to you're going to get a solid performance out of him every single day versus the dude that might do amazing, but then calls in sick two days out of five every week, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, so in, in that sense, they are staying the same, but that's not that they're not peppering other influences into their music to try to stay relevant. So 
Um, what they're doing is working. It's just that unfortunate. It's unfortunate that a band like Immortal Souls is never going to get bigger than they are. I feel like they've kind of plateaued as far as what their popularity potential is. Um, you know, because I mean, at this point, what would they have to do to get popular? They'd have to like add in a bunch of electronics. They'd have to add more clean vocals. They'd have to hire their session guy in as a full time member. You know, like it, it would he have was to not be a full time member. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, no, he still he still makes most of his money singing karaoke at the bar. Um, he's listening to this right now. He's like, I'm going to kill every single one of those guys. <laughs> and then I'm going to sing at their funeral because job security. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, Immortal Souls, they're, they're just one of those bands that you're, you're never going to have a bad time. <laughs> you know, is that your final thought, Dan? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much my final thought. I mean, the only other thing I would add is that, you know, wear a coat because it's going to get chilly. David, what about you? Uh, it's cold. No, I love Immortal Souls, and uh, yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get that consistent sound throughout the entire time as it matures with age. I don't think Immortal Souls is as underground of a band as I think they are. When I listen to them, I feel like they're one of those bands that only I know about. Clearly, that's not true. But when I listen to them, I enjoy the calculated use of thrash, old school death metal, and even modern metal when you get into the later records so if you are a fan of riffs and i've been saying that a lot lately because it's been true a lot lately if you're a fan of riffs immortal souls is one of the best examples of a modern band that's old school in nature they're not trying to sell me a heavy metal record in 2020 2015 was the last year they put out a record but they're not trying to sell me a record that sounds like 1989. They're just doing the next thing that they can do with their music. So if you're a fan of thrash metal, heavy metal, death metal, you need to listen to Immortal Souls. And it's going to get fucking cold, so you better get a fucking coat to quote Dan. David, what's your album of the week? I don't... My album of the week is Third Eye Blind's self-titled debut, only for the reason that I've listened to it times uh, throughout this week. So, album of the week. Dan, what about you? Well, I was going to say Blindside's a thought crushed my mind, but let's just screw it. Ganglia, the beginnings. That's all of our albums of the week. Yeah. Everybody's favorite new band that's not new at all, but favorite. The ever-growing emo hit list. That should have been the name of the record. For me, it's Immortal Souls, Winter Reich. I said it's my favorite, and I meant it. No one doubted you. He got it for a dollar. I did get it for a dollar. It was a dollar well spent, along with the other $19 that I spent to get the other 19 records. Did you pay for it with uh, cold hard cash? Does digital (laughs) currency count as cold hard cash? Sorry, I'm just icing you out with these cold puns. As a matter of fact, I think they should launch their own Immortal Souls uh, current digital currency, cryptocurrency, and call it ice chips. (laughs) It'd be a cryocurrency, though. There you go, cryocurrency. <laughs> Perfect. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this show and you want us to talk about a band that you like that we haven't ever talked about or a band that we've been beating around the bush for way too long about, let us know. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can send us a message at show at gmail.com. You can always hit us up at, on Facebook under Discography Discussion. You can hit us up on Twitter at Discuss Metal. 
And you can even talk to us on our Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you right to Discord. Uh, as we've talked about a lot in this episode, it's going to get really cold here. So uh, you might need yourself some uh, discography discussion, comfy socks. We'll have another link in the show notes to the discography discussion store. You can get some socks. You can get some hoodies. Seriously, guys, we got a $25 hoodie on there. You ain't going to get a, a branded hoodie from anybody that cheap. So check it out. And on that note, this has been episode 165 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please, send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Sounds